You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kibalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. There we go. All right, good Erev Shabbos. We're here on today's daf, and today's daf is Chavches. So that should be a good simon. Chavches is Koach. We need a lot of Koach to get through the next couple of days and weeks and months. So it should, should be a good simon for us. Uh, we start with Gufa, was where we left off yesterday. You can see where we've got the cursor here. And um, Gufa. Boy, Rebel Lozer. Now, the reason why Rebel Lozer's question is, is being brought up, I mentioned him, it was a Tani yesterday. I see now that it's the Amora Rebel Lozer, Bozum and Pradas. The Mishnah had told us, um, it was a Mishnah that we say is part of Bamemad Ligan. This was the Mishnah that we did yesterday. I'll just read you the words of the Mishnah so you remember. That has to do with what's the best thing to use on a Friday night candle. But then we had the extension of the Mishnah. The second part of the Mishnah had to do with the laws of Tuma and the laws of what makes an Ohel, an Ohel to the point, not only that the person who's there with the mace would be Tomei along with the person, but that the oil itself becomes Tomei and it has to go through the process. Because Tumas oil, like in a house, for example, a built house, the house doesn't become the actual physical structure. The house doesn't become Tomei with Tumas mace. As we explained yesterday, the person's Tomei, the objects in the house are Tomei, obviously the dead person is Tomei, and the Tomei and the Tuma spreads to that person. So that is the uh, uh, that is that's what Rebbe Lezer, uh is is referring to. So let us now take a look. I under, I see Moshe's number is there. I'll tell you what I'm going to do for Moshe and Richard. What I'm going to do here is I'm going. If you need to if you need to speak up, so I'm going to manage you guys. What I'm going to do by managing, and I see Avrami's here. I'm going to mute everybody. If you need, I'm going to give you the right to unmute yourself if you have a question. Okay, so we're going to mute you. If you want to ask a question, you will be able to unmute yourself to ask a question. So here we go. Okay. So, Rebbe Lezer, uh, on the heels of yesterday's uh, Mishnah, wanted to know, how far do we extend the idea of Tumas Ohel in terms of the object being the Ohel, being Makabal Tuma? We saw yesterday that there's a Xerashava between the word Ohel by Tuma and, of course, the Ohel when the Mishkan was made. And uh, we saw, because of that, that not only Sirizim, something that's made out of goat, which is actually the second layer uh, that, that layers the Mishkan, but even the lowest layer, the layer that's made from Pishton, is also. So that's why it's Yotzim and It comes from a tree, it comes from a bush. And it's metametumas oel because of the gzayrashova. So Rabbi Yosef had a question. Or behematmeya mao shiyatamatumas oelin. How about when you skin the leather off of a rhino or some sort of tame animal, an elephant skin thing, and you make an oel out of that, would that tent also become tame? So the Gemara asks, what was Rabbi Lezer's question exactly? We know where the Xerashov is taking us. We know what was, why would he somehow think that a rhino skin would be considered the type of tent that it itself becomes Tomei and needs the Tahara of the Paraduma water and the mikvah? Amravada Barava. Because you know what his question was, Rabbi Lazar? He knows that one of the things that was on top of the Mishkan was the skins of the Tachash. What was that tachash? We don't know what it is today, but the tachash shahoye bimei Moshe kamivoyle. That was his question. His question was, tamei hoya o tahar hoya. In other words, if it was tamei, if it was an animal that you wouldn't be able to eat, an animal that would be classified as behemotamea, then the law would now be that you could use that a tachash skin or any tamei animal skin, rhino, camel, whatever skin you would use for your tent would also be an ohel that would be open to, this, to these issues. That was the question, because if the tachash is tame, and we know that tachash skins 
did uh, were the covering of the Mishkan, then that would be a source for all Tomei skins. And that was from Elazar's question. Okay, that's what Abba Bar Ava explains Elazar's question was. On that, Rabbi Yosef says, Om Rabbi Yosef, Why did he have a question? Rabbi Yosef, of course, was Mr. Sinai before his memory started going. He was the person who had great knowledge of Brightos. He says, Tanina, we know of a Brighta. And what else do you think it's talking about? It says, And that was probably the Mishkan, the Melacha Shamayim, although human beings made it, but it was the Melacha they did for God after the Chedaigo. We know that what was Mukshar for Melacha Shamayim was or behemoth tahora bravad. That's probably what it's talking about. So you see from that Brita, the Brita was telling you that even though there were skins and there were ram skins and tahash skins, what the, the Bryce is telling us they were all tahar. And Elazar didn't know that Brita, or maybe he didn't, but Yosef says, Why didn't he? And that proves to you that the Tahash was Tahar. The Tahash was Tahar camel skin, rhino skin, would not make a, 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 a Tomei Ohel. Okay. Mesev Rav Abba, Mesev Rav Abba. Rav Abba said, Rabbi Yosef, are you sure about that, that that's true? I've got another bright, look what it says. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, when it talks about the building of the Mishkan, it says, Shnei Michsao Toyu. There were two coverings. Echot Shul Orot Elim Adomim, one was these red-skinned rams, the echad shal oras tchashim, and the other was the one of tchashim. In other words, Rabutus says was actually layer three was actually layer three and four, two separate layers. Rav Nachemya, no, no, layer three was actually a synthesis, and Rashi quotes this in Chumash as well. Michse echad hoya, Rashi over there in Parshas Truma. Michse echad hoya was actually layer number three, <clears throat> the layer that's known as Michse. The bottom one was called Mishkan. The second one was called Ohel. The third layer was called Michse. That was actually only one. Vidoma, but you know what it was like? It was Kimin Tla Ilan. It was like a Tla Ilan. Rashi says here, as you can see here. It was like a little animal that had stripes on it. It had a bunch of stripes, a bunch of, uh, not stripes, but spots. A little tiny tree leopard. <laughs> That's what it was. A Tla'ilon. They have these type of little you know, leopard-like little cats that you have over there in, in Africa. You can see pictures of them. That's what it was. What's from Nehemiah talking about? When Rabbi Chemia says, he must be talking about the Tachash. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, that little leopard cat that lives in the trees over there, we know that's Tame. It must be, Rav Nechemia is teaching us that the Tachash was Tame. Now, Hochi Kamar. Now, Rabbi Yosef says, that's not what he means. Nechemia means, the Takash is like a Tla'ilon, yes, because it has different types of colors in its skin, different spots, different shapes, uh, different types of uh, formations. Hello, Tla'ilon, it's only like it. It's not, it's not Tame like a Tla'ilon. So in other words, it's an animal. We don't know about it. But if you want to get an idea of of the amount of colors in it, there is a Tame animal called the Tla'ilon, which sort of is similar to the Tachash. But that's not what Nehemia meant, that the Tachash was a Tame animal. Aha. Uh-huh. And therefore, Rabbi Yosef says, Ihachi. Let me go down here. Ihachi. If that's true... Now I get it. Hainu, now I get it. When I take a look at the Targum Unculus on the word Tachash, to Metargaminon, when I look at Targum Unculus on the word Tachash, I see what word? I see the Aramaic word of Sasgavna. Sasgavna. You know what Sasgavna means? Shesos begavonim harbe. It's sort of happy with all the colors that it has. Okay. So I'm seeing a chat here. Let's see, a chat. Yes, yes, we're talking about the Tachash because we know that the coverings of the Mishkan are what gives us the clue as to what's considered a Tomei Ohel 
that you need to be metahir. And not only strong enough to bring tuma, but actually you need, but that's what makes, uh, you would have to send it to the mikvah. Right. Put part right. So we right. want to know what the tachash is. Was the tachash tome or tohar? What is the tachash? It, we're not sure, but we, we're trying to figure out, was it a tome or tohar animal? The Gemara it's, on the top. It's, it's on the top. It's right. on the top of the ayu. Right. It's the, it's the very top level of the Mishkan. And we're going to find out what it is in a minute. Alright. Okay. So, Rava Omar, I say, or Behema, Tmea. Dimitame ba'oil ames. Mehocha. I know that the great Rebbe Lozer had a suffix. <clears throat> However, I have a source to tell you that in terms of, uh, uh, of, 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 of rhino skin, Camel skin, that would be a tame ohel, and I can prove it from another brayta, the Tanya, the pasuk when it speaks about saras, it says saras is on the or, okay, then, but it actually says not just it's on the or, it says the saras is bit or, doesn't have to say that, just say it's on leather. Yeah, let, let me read you the whole pasuk. The Pasuk about Saras, I will read you the Pasuk inside. And I'm going to read it for you and you'll understand what I mean. The Pasuk says, O Bishesi, O Bishesi, O Ba'erev, Lapishtim, Vilatsomer, O Ve'or, O bechol melechet or. That's where the Torah writes about saras erupting on clothing type of material. So it says, Erev pishtim. We talked about the shasi and the Erev. It mentions tzemer. It mentions those materials. But then it says, O ve'or. The question is, why say O ve'or? It should say O or. Why does it say, let's read it again. The Tanya, it's trying to tell you, Saras erupts on leather. Let it just say or. Why does it say bit or? Aha. Reba, that tells you even more types of leather. Or behema tmea. Even if it's not the leather of a kosher animal, it's a leather skin. It's an alligator skin jacket. Our alligator skin piece of material, Tsaras, is considered Tame there as well. And also, by saying Bi'or, it means even if at the moment it, it gets, it only the Tsaras erupts as soon as the coin handles it. In other words, it's not that you saw the Tsaras before, but it becomes Tsaras as soon as the coin, like it's, it, it erupts in the moment that the coin's looking at it. Usually, the the Taras eruption occurs earlier. Then you bring it to the Kohen. Here we're telling you it can even be called Saras Sheloka. It gets that Saras look. It gets wounded. It gets the plague, so to speak. It gets the Saras eruption beyond Kohen. Okay, that's the Brighton. That's why it says Bi'or. Secondly, the Brighton goes on. Kotsats Mikulon. Let's say you take all those materials I just said. I'll read you again what they were. Semer, pishtim, leather. I take and I make a patchwork, a Frankenstein crazy quilt of all of them. Kotsats mikulon, v'osa achas And I make one three by three uh, finger material worth of it. How do I know that that's also considered a begot for Tsaras? Talmud Lomar, O Bechol Meleches Or. Okay, that's why it says Melechet Or. Even any sort of restructuring that I do, adding leather to it as well, that's considered enough of a begot. Now, um, that's what you see from here. You see from here, says Rava, that it's a beggar. 
It's a begad that's tummy. A leather begad, even as the Brita said, from a rhino, from a camel. It's considered a begad tummy. It should therefore be an ol that's tummy. Now, but you could say maybe not. Maybe you would say, Rav is going on, maybe that's not a proof to Tumas Ohel. Maybe it's only by Negoyim. Shekane, Shesive Erev Tomei. Because even the material that's not yet made into a bag is Tomei. It's only the raw material that you're going to weave is Tomei. The Torah is very machmer about Saras. So how do you know, Rav says, I can prove a Lazar's question even when it comes to an Ohel. El Gomar, I'm going to learn it out from Shrotzim. The Tanya, by Shrotzim, it also says the word or. And again, the Bryce says by Shrotzim, when a dead Sheretz falls on the Beged, it says it falls on or. Ainwil or behemoth tahora. Or behemoth tameyaminayan. Talmud lomar o or. The whole Pusik says, Cholasher yipo alav mehembe mosam yitma. That anything that a sheretz falls on it when it's dead becomes tame. Mikol creates from a wooden kli, o beged, o or. That doesn't have to say o or. It could have said beged or. We don't need the word o there. The Bryce darshaning the word o shows you that it's not only kosher skins, but even camel, rhino skins also get tame with Tumasheretz. Let's read it again. Or, 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 or. So, maybe Sheretz can prove Tumas Mace. Sheretz can prove Ohel Mace. We see that rhino skin is good by Sheretz. Maybe rhino skin creates the Ohel of Tumas Oel, where it becomes the Oel becomes Tame as well, which we call Tumas Ohalim. Mar says, Ikalamifra. By Sheretz, I can also say it's not a proof. Because Malishrotzim, Shekane Mitamen Bika Because Sheretz is so Tame that even a tiny, tiny piece of that little small Sheretz can be Tame. Aha. Well, Nagoyim Yochichu. Nagoyim, it has to be a gris. But as Rashi points out, it's nine grissim in a sheretz. So, uh, so we know, I'm sorry, nine adoshim in a gris. Gris the size of a dime or a little bit bigger is bigger. So you see that it's, even if it's not as small as a sheretz, it could become tome. So now I use what's known as a mamatsinu. I use both. I use a binyanav from two places. What am I trying to prove everybody again? That Tumas Oel is true for a, 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 a rhino skin or behematmeya. I'll prove it. Tumas Oel is Tomei for, from a, a, a Tomei leather from a rhino. I'll prove it from a, a, a Binyanav. A Binyanav created from Sheretz and Saras. And that's what he says here. It goes in both places. Each one seems to be unique and different on its own. As its own, it can't be the Malamed. On its own, it cannot be the Malamed to other Tumas. But together, each one's got a weakness. I go to the common denominator and I say, What's the common denominator? Sha'or Tomei Bahen. That what? The or is Tomei. Leather is considered significant that it can become Tomei Sheretz or Tumas Taras. And Chazal have taught us that it doesn't make a difference. What type of or it is? It could be rhino skin as well. So therefore, that's the, I'll, I'll, I'll say that by Tumas O as well. Afani ovi oelames, sha'or tome bo, venase bo, because we know that or is tome. How do we know that from the Xerishava? <laughs> the Xerishava of OL OL teaches that, that the OL includes the OL that's made out of skin. And now I'll say venase bo orbe matmea, orbe matahora. So that was, looks like we have a, a comment here. Let's take a look. Maybe we have a, two people left, but it's okay. Or maybe came in. 
Anyway, so that was Rava's proof. So once again, if you keep keeping score, Rebbe Lozer had a question. He didn't have an answer. Rabbi Yosef thought he had an answer from a Breitah. Because the Breitah said, everything's got to be tar that went into the Mishkan. Rava actually said, I'm going to prove, Rebbe Lozer, that a behemoth skin would be all right. And I'm going to prove it from this combination, Mamatzina. But Amrle Rava mi Barnash, Ravashi, not that famous Rava, not so famous Rava, Rava from Barnash, said to Ravashi, I've got a question on Rava's structure, Ikva Mifrach. He wanted to make a Binyanav from these two places, from Sheretz and Saras. You can't do that. Because the common denominator is not strong enough to expand it later and further. When it comes to mace, the smallest we have is kezayit menames. Kezayit menames is metama ba'oel. But a gris is smaller than a zayas. And we know when adosha is. Therefore, I don't think the, the mamatzina works. Elo amarava me barnish. I'll tell you where we know it from. Asya bekalvachomer. Aha. What's the kalvachomer? We know. Let's take a look as notes of shalizim. Let's take a look and say that you started pulling out of a goat a bunch of its uh, a bunch of its fur, a bunch of its uh, uh, goat-like <laughs> uh, material on it. It's it's fur, so to speak, and you make out of its body you make a, a, a begot. We know she'ain metamib v'negoyim, because by tzaras, as we learned, it's got to be semer opishtam only. Still, it's metamib b'boel ames. And how do we know it's metamib b'boel ames? <laughs> we know it's metamib b'boel ames because goat hair, remember, that was in the Mishkan. Goat hair was part of the covering of the Mishkan. That was covering number two, the one that was called Ohel in Parsha's Truma. And we know that doesn't work by Tsaras or We've learned that from the Brisa that Rava brought us, or from the word Bi'or, that the skin of a rhino is Metama Binagoyim. Because we can see that Nagoyim includes more than Mace, than Ohel. Again, I'm sorry, the opposite. Nagoyim, we're less expansive about what we make Tomei. We don't allow goat hairs to be Tomei. And still, we say that the skin of a dead animal is Tomei. Kalvachomer, when it comes to um, Orbehemetmeya, that's metama benegoyim, for sure it should be metama ba'olames. Because negoyim has less tumba. Negoyim allows less material to become tame with saras than things that are, uh, than olames. And therefore, if you're going to tell me something is tame benegoyim, kalvachomer it's tame ba'olames. That was Rava Barnash. It was okay, we can accept that when that works. But what about Rabbi Yosef's drosha, remember? Rabbi Yosef had this beautiful Brighta. Rabbi Yosef is Mr. Brighta man. Remember, that was his question against Rabbi Lozer. He said, Remember that? And that wasn't the Melech Shamayim, the Mishkan? Wasn't that what it was talking about? The Melech Shamayim with skins? Wasn't that the Mishkan that has skins in it? And it's telling you that it was a kosher animal? I guess not, according to Rava, and according to Rava Mibarnash. What are they going to do with that, Brisa? What are they going to do with that? With tefillin. It's going to tell you tefillin, where you use skin. The skin of tefillin have to be kosher animal skins for tefillin, right? Hmm. Kosher animal skins, kosher animals, well, not the skins, but the kosher animal is going to eventually, the cloth is going to be made from the skin or the flesh of the kosher, of, of a non-kosher animal. That's what I need to have that bright for, 
I don't need a bright to, to tell me that as if it's some Chiddush. Everybody knows that, Joshua. What does it say in Parsha's bow? It says when it talks about wearing tefillin, it says, Why does that to say that? Why does it have to say that the words of God should be in your mouth? Of course they're going to be in your mouth. Where else are they going to be? You wear tefillin in your heart. What's it say about your mouth? Why does the mention mouth? So we know what the drasha is. Meaning, the tefillin that you're going to make has to come from the type of animal that you could have shechted and eaten. The only type of cloth you can use is from skin that came from an animal that you would have been allowed to eat. Okay? So that's, you don't need a, a special bright uh, of Rabbi Yosef to say that. So the Gemara says, no, maybe you do. Oran. I'm not talking about using, I'm talking about the straps of the tefillin. I'm talking about the skin. I'm not talking about the stuff that you're writing on the cloth. That the parch, the parchments themselves have to come from kosher animals? That's understood. But we're talking here about the cloth. We're talking here about, about the cloth. Uh, but not about the cloth, about the ritsuos. Or about, not the ritsuos, I'm sorry. The box, the or, the skin that surrounds the parchments. The or. That has to be kosher. Of course, the paper that you're using, not really paper, of course, the parchment has to be that you're going to put the holy words of God on have to be mimamuter bepicha. But the Rav Yosef's brisa, the one he quoted, was about that the boxes need to be made from kosher animal skins. The Mar says, Are you, you need a, that brisa to say that? Omar Abaya Abaya said, Shin Sinai. We know that the boxes are really more than just a box. It has a name of God in it because the Shorosh has a shin in it. And that's not just something to make it look cool, right? Like the, the S of Superman's crest. The reason why the shin is there, it's Halachalamoshimi Sinai. Halachalamoshimi Sinai, it's got to have a shin there. So it's almost like the name of God itself. It's almost like the, the box of the tefillin with the shin and the dalid, which is on, the, which is formed by the knot on the back of your head, and then the yud, which is the knot on your shoyad, the name shakai. That is alochal moshe Sinai. So therefore, as alochal moshe Sinai, we know from a tradition that that can't be. That's also like it's in the pasuk itself. It, that has to be muter mipicha. You can't use a treif animal for that. Ella, what are we talking about? We're talking about once you have the parshiot. For example, let's say with the shorosh or the shoyad, but the shorosh especially it has four different compartments. We know when once you have the parchment, you're supposed to roll it, roll it and tie it, and you're supposed to use animal hair to tie it. Maybe that's what the Bryce was saying. Melechet shamayim, the melechet shamayim, where you're using. Um, skin, or you're using something that comes from the skin of an animal. Let's see if we have a a comment here. Um, Yes, so um, Udi was asking, um, does the animal have to be kosher to eat? The answer is no. (laughs) It It was the type of thing that you could have eaten. Even if the animal, right, I, I believe so. Uh, I'm not 100% on that, but I believe so. It's it's the type of animal that would have been kosher to eat. Okay. So anyway, but now we're not talking again. We're, we're saying, you know what the Bryson meant when it said skin, when it said or behema? It, it really meant the fur on top of the skin that you're going to, or you're going to take something there and you're going you're gonna to use it to tie up the parchment inside the box. And also, Litofran Begidin, you're also going to take some of its uh, sinews and muscles and you're going to use it to, uh, to, 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 to stretch around it. That also needs to be kosher animals. Mar says, that, that's not what the Bryce is talking about. Yosef's Bryce. It's all Lochemoshimi Sinai, the Tanya. We have a Bryce about Tfilin. Yesterday we talked about Sitzes, today about Tfilin. <laughs> Tfilin Meruvas, the fact that Tfilin have to be square. How do you know that? It just says Totafotes in the Torah. Where does that come from? 
That comes from Alocha Moshe Misenai. Okay. And Nichrochos Bisaron, the fact that it needs to be wrapped with special hairs from an animal, that's also Alocha Moshe Misenai. When it's forest begidin, the fact that you use a gid, that you use that, 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 that piece of sinew, that little, that sharp string around it, the, 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 to tie it, the, not around it so much, but in, uh, underneath it, to to weld the pieces together, the gidim, you have to see the tfiros, the tfiros are also from animal skin gid. That's why tefillin costs so much. That's old, so it has to be with shmon, you have to use kosher animals, you have to know what you're doing. You can't just go to Macy's and buy tefillin like people used to buy from Macy's in the beginning of the, uh, the 20th century. Macy's, you could able to get a pair of tefillin for $10. But anyway, obviously, there's a lot of work that goes into it. So therefore, um, th- that's that's from Aloha Moshe Misenai. Ella, this is what I, I got mis- uh, confused before. Ritzuot, we're not talking about the boxes. We're talking about the leather straps that go through uh, the tartota and the straps that hang down. That's what Yosef's brisa that he brought to the table was about. That has to be from kosher animals as well. Oh, is that true? That's only from this brisa. It's not all the package of Aloha Moshe Misenai. The fact that the Ritsuos are black. Aloha Moshe Misenai. So you see there's Aloha Moshe Misenai about black straps. So the Gemara says, look, Nehi, it's enough, that's true. De Gemire Shoros, you're right. Alochal Moshe Misenai. Gemire means the tradition that we learn, Alochal Moshe Misenai. Yes, it's got to be black, but Tahoros mi Gemire? <laughs> Is there ever a tradition that it has to be Tahor about the straps? That's what you needed that Brisa for. And therefore, that's what it was for. That's the Melech Shamayim. And it had nothing to do with Tumas Oel. And maybe Rava was right that when it comes to rhino skin, it is Tomei Tumas Oel because you could really learn it out from that Pusik and Enochinami. It would be Tumas, you would have to take it to the mikvah and you would have to put Paraduma water on it. Okay, my Haviva, what's the Psak over here? Because Lachora, it, it goes back to seemingly what was the Ohel of the Mishkan. The Tachash, Moshe. What was that Tachash? Rav seems to be okay with saying the Tachash might have been Tomei. Because he ends up learning from his Mamatzinu that the Oel is Tomei. Right? And therefore, and even Rav Barnash. But what is the truth? What was the Tachash? Was it a Tomei animal? Amr Abiloy, Amr Shuman Lakish? Aimer Hoyer of Meir. Rav Meir used to say, Tachash, Ahoyer Bimei Moshe, was Beria Bifnei It was a creature that nobody knew about. It was a strange creature. When the Chachomim, I guess of that time, saw it, they weren't sure what it was. Chazal say that Moshe and Aaron in Parsha Shmini, when it describes all the animals, that Moshe and Aaron had all those animals, and they showed all the different types of birds and everything, and showed them all. So, but somehow the Tachash, which was definitely there at the time of Moshe, even though that Moshe and Aaron had certain uh, zoological uh, understanding, it sounds like this one they couldn't figure out what it was. Imin it was was it from the wild animals? Midbehema was it like a cousin of the domesticated animals? And Karen Acha And they all remembered that it had a horn on its head, sort of right, it had a horn on its on its forehead. It showed up only then. It's no longer around the Tachash. But it showed up then as an animal. They weren't sure what it was. It wasn't a usual type of bird like they knew about or the other animals. And since Moshe was told, make the Mishkan out of it, but now Nignaz, it's gone. Maybe it'll come back. <laughs> Maybe that'll be one of the signs of Mashiach that we're going to see the Tachash come back. So that's what uh, um, the uh, we want to prove from there, uh, from Moshe ben Levi, that Lachora, hmm, 
Karen Achas, Hoysevo Bemetzcho. From the fact that we said we weren't sure if it's a Chaya Behema, might have been a Behema, and it had a horn, but can't you see from there, Shmamina Tohar Hoya? Doesn't that show you that it was a Tohar animal? Why? Because we know from Achulin, the Amar of Yehuda, Shor Shehikriv Adam Arishon. Adam Rishon brought a Shor. It doesn't say it in the Torah, Mephurish. But we know that Adam Arishon, uh, the Pasuk in Tilim indicates that Adam Arishon brought as a carbon one of the first animals that was created. And what what was with that animal that he brought? Karen Achat Hoysevo it had one horn in it. Why? It's the Pasuk says, Shenemar, that God loves learning Torah and other things more than the carbon of Adam HaRishon. Hashem, God loves the Torah and mitzvahs we do more than Shor Par Makrin. <laughs> more than that Shor Par that had that horn that was Mafris, that had, that was a kosher animal, that had Parsos. Anyway, you see from there that the shore of Adam Arishon was this one-horned kosher animal. It was like a shore. It was a, it was a behemoth. And it sounds like the Tachash was a cousin of that. So doesn't that seem to show us that the Tachash was Tohar? The Tachash was Tohar. That would mean you cannot, that means rhino skin and, and camel skin would not be Tomei in the Ohel. So that's what the Gemara seems to be saying. But, but the Gemara now has a question. The Gemara says, did you just quote a Pusik and tell him that says, Mishor Par Makrian? Makrian, that, that, uh, that first animal, that shore that Adam brought as a carbon, had one uh, horn? The word Makrian means it has horns. Makrian. That's what that Chirik means. It has horns. Makrian, it's a horn animal, an animal with horns. Tarte Mashma. But if you look at the ksiv of that pasik, it's with it's, it's we read it as if there's a yud, but it's if you look at the at the letters mikaren ksiv, it's like all it is is mikaren, as if it only has one horn, and that's why the tradition was it was a one-horned animal, and therefore these one-horned animals are kosher. These one-horned domesticated behemoth-like animals are kosher. So now let's prove, based on what we've said, that the Tachash was a behemoth. The Gemara says it's still not a proof. Why? Because remember, they weren't sure if it was a behemoth or a chaya. It's true, when it comes to the animal domesticated bovine type of beings, the ones with the one horns are kosher. But we know there's plenty of these wild animals, not these domesticated ones, that have one horn and their tummy, like the uh, like the the kerish. And again, Rashi, let's see what he says. What a kerish is doesn't even say, <laughs> right? Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I'm not sure what it is. A rhinoceros? Who knows? So Mars says. So maybe it was a minchaya. So therefore, we really don't know whether the keresh was tame, whether the tachash was tame or not. If it wasn't, if it was tame, so the halacha changes, and that would be an afkamina about what you would do for tumas ohel. Next mishnah. Still have uh, about twenty minutes. Psilas habeged shekiflo. What did you do over here? Basically, uh, you had a baguette, and what you did was you started cutting strips of it, or you actually took a part of this baguette, and you folded it. You folded, you had a little small baguette, we'll see how big it was, and you folded into the shape of a wick. You fold it over and over again, till it sort of looks like wicks look. It's folded over, and it looks like sort of what a wick would look like, and you want to use it for your Shabbos Friday night there. But, lo hivava. What you didn't do was, 
You didn't take it and as Rashi says, You didn't actually singe it. You didn't take this material and apply the singe to it because once it's been singed, it's going to work even better. Okay. So that's what we're talking about. That baby is still Tame. Why? Says Rashi, the Beged Kliu. I don't care if you folded it. It's a Kli. And it's Makabal Tuma. Right? And even if it's a tiny little piece of material, three by three fingers, ain't Mavatsu Mitairis Beged. It's still a Beged. That's what Rabbi Lezer says. Tameyehi. It could still be called a Beged and it could be Makabal Tuma. But also, do not use it. Do not use it as a wick. Do not cause it to become on fire. Rabbi Kiva, Oimer, Rabbi, Rabbi Kiva was the student of Eliezer ben Orkanus. He said to Hoyrehi, I believe that this has now become Tohar. The folding process that you did on this small patch of material has actually been mavatalit from the shame Beged. And even if a sheretz or some other thing touches it, it will be called tahar now. And I disagree with you. You can use it as a wick. Bishmunyan Tuma, we understand when it comes to Hoplige. Rebbe Lezer saw our Rebbe Lezer says the fact that you folded it, because you could unfold it, even though you folded it like a Japanese or a gamist, you could still unfold it. And therefore, it's still the piece of material that it was before. It's still what it used to be. It's still what it was originally. Rabbi Kiva Savar. Rabbi Kiva holds what? Kipo Moyo. The Kipo does do something. And therefore, it's no longer a Kli. Okay, we got that. He holds the kipo, it changes it to the point that it's no longer the keli anymore. Like you broke the keli. And therefore, it's not makabotuma now. But what's this machlekas about Friday night? They both said the same thing. What are we talking about? Remember, we're talking about something you fold over and turn into a wick. We're talking about a tiny little bigot you could think about. It's three by three exactly, three fingers by three fingers exactly. And we're not talking about a regular Shabbos. We're talking about Yomtev Shachalagarim Shabbos. Like this year, it's a Yomtev, it's a Friday Yomtev. And you want to light Shabbos Licht on Friday Yomtev afternoon. What's the problem? You'll see. Both Akiva and Eliezer hold like the Akiva student, Yehuda, who articulated to the world in his machlokas with one of Akiva's other students, Shimon ben Yochai, the machlokas about muktz and many other crucial issues about Shabbos. But the, the generations before, we're going to say now, Eliezer ben Urkanus and his student Akiva, they really both held like Rav Yehuda. That says what? That when it comes to muksa, that let's say it's, it's it's yuntif, and you've got a bonfire burning. You've got an oven burning, and it needs fuel. You know what you can do? You can throw the wood chair in there if you want. The Amr Masik and Bikalim. That's not called Muktzah. <laughs> Even though the chair is meant to be sit on, but if it got so cold, you figured, hey, I'm throwing that chair into the fire. That's not called Muktzah. Because you know, a person looks around his house and says, I use everything for what's my use. Before it got cold, my chair was what to sit in and read the New York Times in. But now that it got so cold, my chair is fuel for Yontif. I'm throwing the whole chair into the flames. But ain't masik and beshivre, Caleb. But you cannot, let's say the chair breaks and it becomes a piece of firewood, that's called muktza. Because that's something that was created on Shabbos. When, some, when the chair broke, when, when fat grandpa sat in it and broke it, and now there's pieces of it, you didn't expect fat grandpa to sit on it. So before Shabbos began, it was a chair. It became firewood on Yontif. That's called muksa. Something lightning hit the tree outside and created 
firewood, that firewood is muktzah. That's Yehuda's opinion because you didn't expect it. So therefore, this is, remember, you cannot use a shever keli. That's counterintuitive. You can throw the whole chair in, but you can't throw in a shever keli because that's called muktzah. You can't move it and you definitely can't pick it up and throw it into the fire. And the kuli alme islu de ula. And they both, Eliezer and Akiva, both hold of Ula. The Amar Ula, Hamadlik, when you're about to light fire, what do you need to do when you're going to light your Friday night lights? You got to be like Aaron Hakein, whoever was that lit the menorah and the Mishkan and the Beis Amikdash. Sarech Sheyadlik Berov Ayotze. You got to make sure that rove of the psila is sticking out of the oil and that the fire connects to that because you want to make sure the fire lasts. That's the way you're modlik on Friday afternoon. So now we can figure out what this machlokas is. Remember Rebbe Liezer? He says, meaning what did you do before Shabbos, before Yontif? You folded it, you took the little piece of material, you folded it, you made it into a psila-like thing. It's still a begot. It's still a kli. It's still a complete object. Now, what are you trying to do? Now you stick it into the, into the oil, and now you put the flame, and you, and you light the flame. Even the idluk bay purta, now that you started to light it, you have now got a broken keli. You had a complete keli because it was a three-by-three three piece of material. It's now broken. You're not allowed to use a broken keli to use it. That's muktza. Have a shever kli. Vikhi kamadlik b'shever kli kamadlik. Brilliant. <laughs> That's you guys say this Mishnah every week, right? Everybody says Bamemadlikin. Did you know this was the Pshat? <laughs> Did you know this was the Pshat in this Mishnah? That's what it means. Ain Madlikin Ba. Ain Madlikin Ba because of all this lumness. Because it's a Shev, because it's a Kli. And when you fold it, it's not still called a Kli. And since you, the way you're supposed to light is you have to light the way Ul explains it. So now you have a Shev, you have a Shever Kli. A shever kli is also, it's muktzah, like Rabbi Yehuda. That's why it's ein madlikin ba. Rabbi Kiva Savar, kipul moil. The truth is, even before Yantif, it, you folded it. And when you folded it, and you, and you made it into this wick-like material, wick-like form, it's no longer a kli. It's like a piece of wood. The entiras kli olav. It was never a kli. It's not like a chair. And that's why Rabbi Kiva says you're allowed to, to use it for, uh, for this Shabbos. Because it's not talking about a regular Shabbos. It's talking about a Friday Yontif Shabbos. That's the shot in the Mishnah. So the next time you super speed through this Mishnah, think a little bit about what the Mishnah really means before you say your Kaddish Tarabonin on this Mishnah. Um, Rabbi Yosef says, wow, that's what the Mishnah means? Now I got it. Because I know Bryces. My name is Rabbi Yosef. I know Bryces by heart. And one of the Bryces I know is this one. Gimel, I'll gimel. I didn't know what it meant exactly. Gimel, gimel mitzum tzomot. Three by three, exactly. Three by three, exactly. I wasn't sure what it was about. What was that emphasis, three by three exact? Aha. Now, Adabarava had this whole complicated, beautiful, complex interpretation of the Mishnah. Now I know what it is. Now I know what it means. Aha. Now I know what the Mishnah means. That's what that Brighta meant. Our case in our Mishnah in, in Shabbat, in Shabbos, the second parak, is talking about three by three mitzumtzum. That's why you have this machlokas about Akiva and uh, Eliezer about whether you can turn it into a kli or not. Does it become not, does it become a not kli or, or and therefore, uh, is it considered a piece when you burn it? Mar says, you know what? It sounds like Shmaminok Rabbutisfirulay. It sounds like Adabarava, with his brilliant answer, holds like Rabbi Yehuda. 
because he lines up Eliezer and Akiva like Rav Yehuda in the Machlokos with Rav Shimon about Muksa. Adabarava told us where tomorrow's daf, the daf of Shabbos, that a nochri bikat. That let's say a goy comes over, and remember we talked about it was important to get you had these sticks of wood, and people would use them to put their stumps in. People nebuch amputees would use them to put their stumps in. And that's what they would have. They would have these logs, but they weren't ready for the stump to go in. So the goyesha or anybody who knows how to uh, how to be a carpenter knows how to uh, knows how to put into the wood. He knows how to you know use his saw and, and cut away into the wood the, the the amount of a calf in order for the person to stick his foot in. So let's say a nochri comes over on Shabbos and he's chokak in your in your log, he puts a kav in your bikas. So Rabbi, Rabbi, yes. Excuse me. The uh, people who put their, their cut off legs in there, was that for warmth? That was in order to walk, Hanach. That was oh, to walk. walk. To okay. walk. And that's, but, but it, was, it, was, it took a certain expertise. So a log of wood, Hanach, is not a keili. But a, uh, a, a, a prosthesis is. <laughs> when you when you now carve that shape into the wood, you've got a prosthesis. That's like a pot. That's a keli. Right. So the nochri, what did he do? The nochri came over, and he's like Jed Clampett, who likes to whittle, and he like he whittled a, a, a calf into the the log of wood. Right. So the nochri made a keli for you. Right. On on yontif. So what did he say, Adabarava? Yisrael Masika Biyantif. A Jew, if he wants to, can now take it and throw it into the oven on Yantif. One second, am I? No Ladu. Adabarava, you're the one who explained our Mishnah so brilliantly that it goes like Rav Yehuda, you put the Gdole Yador, Akivan Eliezer, holding like Yehuda. But Yehuda would say it's us, sir. Yuda would say you got a Kaylee. The Kaylee was created on Yantif. That's the same thing as a chair bursting into pieces. That's the same Nolad. Shimon might say that's okay. Shimon Bar Yochai, but not Yehuda. Then where it says, you're right. Adabarab himself was a Shimon Bar Yochai man, but he wants to explain our Mishnah. He's trying to explain this Mishnah. It might be the most brilliant, perfect shot in the Mishnah you ever heard, but that doesn't mean that's what he holds. Vilay, Adabarava himself, Losphirilay. So that was one answer um, uh, uh, to explain what the Mishnah means. Can you be Madlik? Can you not be Madlik? Brilliant and complex at the same time. <laughs> Here comes a simpler answer from Rova. Rova Omar, no. High new time of the Rebbe Eliezer. It's not because it's on Yontif with Muktza. Oh, Ive, was that complicated. I'll tell you why Rebbe Eliezer says, Ein madlikin bo. Lefi she'ein madlikin bipsila, she'ein mechurachas. Because lehibavo, you didn't singe it in advance. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a practical thing. Just like the other things that are mentioned, the very first mission of a memadlikin, because they don't burn well, they don't hold the flame well. That's the same thing over here. Yeah, we did tell you about Tomei and Tar. That's an interesting side point. But the Shabbos din is because you didn't singe it first. And if you don't singe it, it ain't going to work well, and therefore you're going to fiddle around with it, and it's not going to be the flame that you want. It's not going to provide a good flame for Friday night, and it might even er- encourage you to fiddle around with it and do a malacha. That's why Rebbe Leezer was against it. And that's what, below bismartutin, shenem l'chorochem. You want to use shmatas? You want to use a strip of a shmata? should be the same thing. As Rashi says, b'chol shabbos hashona. It's not, every year he would say it's no good. And Akiva says it's going to be fine, even if you don't do chiruch. And this was sort of a machlokas in Metziah, so to speak, about are we worried or not if you don't singe it in advance. Mar says, you know what, but 
the way the way Adabarava said it, we knew about Yosef's brisa. Remember about Yosef's three by three mitzumtzum. According to Rabbi, well, that's, what's that going to be about? What was it about? The Mar says, you know what it was about? It was about Linyan Tuma. <laughs> it was talking about the din of Tuma itself. The fact that this little patch can be Tame. Now remember what it said. Three by three, Mitzum Tzum. Exactly. What did that mean exactly? Ditnan. The Mishnah says in Kalim, Gimel al Gimel Sha'amru, even though three by three finger widths, three length by three width of finger material, finger length of material is your minimum beged, you need a little bit of malal around it. You need the edges around it as well. Because remember, what are you going to do with it, Mr. Ani? You're going to patch something. When you patch, you need to fold the edges, right? You've got a hole in your, in, in, in your knee, not in your knee, but the knee area of your pants. And this is where you're going to put your patch. So you put this patch on, but then you fold the ends in order to make the stitching. So it's got to be a little bit bigger than three by three. That's what Rav Shimon said. Chachamim says, no, gimel al gimel mechuvanot. Meaning three by three exactly is good enough. That's what Yosef's price was about. like the that it's considered a right. You don't really need, and that's what Rabbi Yosef is talking about. Look at Rashi: the When you do your stitching, it's going to be less than three. That's what Rabbi Yosef was talking about. That's the chiddush, but it's not talking about our Mishnah. Let's since we again, I always say Pandora's box. We bring up Muktzah. Let's talk about Muktzah. We have a couple of minutes before we're going to end today. Um, Rav Yudam Arav, Masikin B'Kalim. What can you do? You can throw a Kali into the oven to get heat. Pain Masikin B'Shivrei Kalim. Tivrei Rav Yehuda. Rav Shimon Matir. Rabbi. Yes. What does Shivrei Kalim mean? That means that the chair broke on Shabbos, on Yontif itself. Okay. So it's a piece of what you, that what when Yuntum started, it was a piece of uh, it was a complete Kaylee. Now it's a broken Kaylee. Okay, thank you. Masikin, Masikin bitmarim. <laughs> you want to throw the whole uh, the whole date into the uh, fire? That's also good because it'll burn. Okay, Achlon, but let's say you eat on Yuntum. <laughs> you eat the meat of the date, ain masikin begarinayan. You can't use the you cannot use the seed. David Rabbi Huda. In other words, if you wanted to throw the whole thing as one thing, but now the seed that that's muktza, that's like nolad. Because before Yamtif you couldn't see the seed of the date. Now that you've eaten the good, beautiful, sweet stuff around it, you're left with the seed, that's muksa. Rab Shimon Matir. Masikin Begozim. You want to throw the whole nut into the fire? That's okay. Achlon, but let's say you eat the nut, you crack the nut, you eat the juice in the juicy nut on the inside, and now you want to throw the shell. You can't throw the shell in. Again, whose opinion is that? So right away you should be asking, what do we need three examples of the same principle? Again, what happened over here? Rav Yehuda came to the base Medrash and said, I heard a great cheer from Rabbi Rav. He talked about this machlekas between Yehuda and Shimon, and he gave three examples. What did we need three examples for? Here's the reason. Mitzricha. The Yashmin and Kamaisa, if you're only going to talk about a shever keli, a chair that breaks, by Yikomer Rav Yehuda. Why? Mishum dimikara kli, vashta shever kli. But they're all like that, Rabbi. They all change forms. One second. Um, yes, Avrami is asking. It's basically at this point, we're going to see it's all levels of nolad, of nolad or muktza. So we'll see in a minute. But again, but remember, muktza means it was out of your mind from the word katse. You didn't expect it. It wasn't something that was in your frame of reference. So 
why is it that Yehuda disagrees? Why does Yehuda say when it breaks, you can't use it? Because when Shab, when Yantav began, it was a Kli. Vahash the Shever Kli. Right. Aval Tamarim, a date? Timikara Garinen, you knew mentally that there was a, there was a seed in there. Vahash the Garin. Okay, so you ate around it, but you knew what it was. It's not like a, 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 a before Grandpa sat on it, it was the best wooden chair you had. Now it's firewood. It's completely something different. Here, the, here, it was fine. You knew what it was. It was a date with with with, with a seed in it, with a pit in it. So maybe you could use it. Amish shopper dummy. No, that's still that's still called no lud. Uh huh. The Ashmein and Karinin. And if you would tell me the second case only, the case of throwing in the seeds. Havamina, Dimikara Mixian. Maybe the reason why Yehuda feels it's sort of nolad is because you couldn't see it. You knew it was there, but it was totally covered from the eyes of man until you start chewing around the sweet outside. Vahashta Migla, now it's revealed. That's like a muksa, a nolad. Avo Klipeagozim, the Klipeagozim. You saw it the whole time. Dimikara Miglu, Vahashta Miglu. They were revealed before. True. Originally, of course, they weren't just some sort of shell. Let's throw that into the fire to add some fuel. They were the protection of the walnut inside. But the shell was clearly visible. Maybe there Yehuda would not call that Nolad. He wouldn't call that Muksa. Amishapur dummy. Sricha. And that's why you need all three cases, even in the case of the nut shell that it's considered like nolad because beforehand it was a complete nut that is actually protecting what's inside. Whereas now it's a shell. It's garbage. It's like, it's like grandpa sitting in the chair for, as far as Yehuda goes. Let's just finish off here because I got something here from Moshe Yazada. This that Rav, it really wasn't necessarily when Yehuda came to the base Medrash and said, I got something to tell you from my Rebbe Rav. It's not that Rav gave a shear this way. It actually was a story that Yehuda or the students saw that Yehuda fashioned into the shear. What was the story? You'll see in a second. The Rav Ochel Tamre. Rav was eating dates. Vishoda Koshiaisya And what did he do? He took the seed and he threw it to the buchya. Uh, you know, he threw it out into the fire, into the flame that was in front of him. Amrle Rabchia, his uncle Rabchia said, Barpachti, I know who you are. You're a Khashavat kid, a Talmud Chacham, and, and rising. I want you to know what you just did, Kenegdo Biyamtav Asr. You can't do that on Yantav. And that's obviously Chia held like Yehuda. And Rav used to tell over the story about what his uncle did. And that's how he knew. The Mer says, Then how did Yehuda know to make it into a shear? Maybe Rav used to just say, my uncle told me I shouldn't do it on Yontif. How do you know that Rav himself would also refrain from doing it on Yontif as an extension of the idea of Rabbi Yehuda's muksa? It sounds like that's what Rabhia said. How do we know that Rav, the great rabbi on his own right, how do you know he himself would have agreed to that? Well, we have a story again. Toshma, the Chiyasa Rav Lebovel, when Rav left Eretz Yisrael, after his years studying under Yudah Nasi and under his uncle, he came back to Bovel where he was born. He started his yeshiva in Surah. And what did he do? Achla Tamre, he ate, was eating dates, and he would throw the hard part, the 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 the, the pit, to the animals. He and, and people saw him do it on Yontif. What do you see from there? You see, he doesn't hold of Yehuda. People saw him on Yontif, right? Throwing stuff to the according to Yehuda, that should have been Muksa. Mar says, You don't know. <laughs> My love, Biv Parsiosa. You think those were the Persian dates? Those Gishmaka Persian dates? What's so Gishmaka about Persian dates? Rashi's going to tell you what's Gishmaka about them. Tomorrow, Tovim, Umit Bashlim Yafe, they are Mamish, 
so great. It's like when you bite it, nothing is stuck to the pit. It comes out like butter. It comes out so sweet. So now the garin is like nothing. The garin is just like a piece of wood. And you see that what did Rab do? He threw it to the animal. So you see that Rav did not go so far and say Tamarim should be Muksan Yontif. Because wasn't Rav eating those wonderful Persian dates? Lo, we're talking about Armeyosa, not Persian dates. We're talking about Armeyosa dates from Armoyim. Why? Because Hoyul Vachosi Agav Ime. That what? Um, because you could actually eat them because there's still pieces of their original on there. <laughs> there's still Mishtair Begarineyem. And since there's still more from the original on them, they never become muksa. They're like a piece of the, like, like a chicken bone that has some of the meat on it. And therefore, that's why it was never muksa, and he can throw it to the animals, because you can throw it what you want, a little piece. You can feed the dog at the table. There's nothing wrong with that, and that's why. But if it would have been a Persian date, that would have been maybe Yehuda Shita, and there, it's there he might have accepted what his uncle said, that we pass on the record of Yehuda, to Aser Muksa. Um, so we'll stop over here. Um, let me Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.